Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schmenicke. And today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric, who have been serving Denver residents for 50 years. They are the proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche and this podcast. And on this podcast, we're going to talk about the Colorado Avalanche with Kyle Fredrickson. Kyle, how are you? Good, good. Nice long homestand. So plenty of uh, chances to watch this team in person, which is which is always a good thing, even uh, when they're not playing so well, like uh, we might talk about here. Yeah, that's probably the lead topic here of this podcast today is the Avs have lost four of five. And the last time we talked, I think they had won seven of eight, maybe at that point. Right, right. Yeah. So I think that's true. We were just talking off air about how they are a very streaky team. So, you know, I guess the biggest question, what's going on? Yeah, you know, I will say I don't think there's any real panic from the Avalanche right now, and that's no surprise based on just their leadership and, and what this team is about. But it is kind of worth analyzing what's happening right now. You, you know, I, I think when you look at what happened before this homestand began, you know, we're, we're about to hit game three of five games uh, with the Flyers coming into town tomorrow night. Uh, but this is a team that has lost two overtime games on the road, going to the Coyotes, who are on a hot streak right now, to, to be fair, uh, and the Ducks, uh, and then also a lot lost to a red-hot Kings team. So not overly surprising, but I think everyone just kind of expected, all right, they're coming back home, they're going to start playing a little bit better. And it really was a little bit of an uninspired effort uh, last night uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, losing 4-2. to two. Uh, you know, once again, the, the Avs give up a goal late in the first period. I, I think we tallied it on press row looking back at previous games. It's the eighth time this season that an opponent has scored in the waning seconds of a period when there wasn't an empty net opportunity. So it just seems like the Avs are making sloppy mistakes at bad times. Uh, and they're really making Nathan McKinnon carry the load. Is, is anyone really surprised that that he's playing the, the best in the team right now, though? No, no one's ever surprised by that. But I think this is something that we talked about last season and now we're starting to talk about this season is it cannot only be McKinnon. They they, they, they need more. Yeah, yeah. And we should recognize how awesome he's been over these yeah, cool. past 10 games. 10-game 10 uh, point streak, 12 assists and four goals over that span. He's just now kind of picking back up the scoring. It seems like McKinnon goes through these spurts where he doesn't score a lot of goals. He's still playmaking, but all of a sudden now we're starting to see those chances go in. So he's playing phenomenal right now, but you got to wonder um, if this team has the same issues that it had a year ago to, to your point that they don't have the depth because Ryan Johansson, he's played well in spurts, but it seems like lately he's been less and less noticeable. Ross Colton has actually surpassed him in ice time. And then with a little bit of line shuffling, Colton's been that number two center the past couple nights. So it just kind of makes me wonder how the abs are feeling about Johansson. Um, just sort of what his confidence level is to produce points at even strength. He's, he's been solid on the power play, but just, you know, creating, you know, when all five guys are in the ice, hasn't come easy for him. Uh, and same with Thomas Tatar, right? Tatar is a guy who scored a ton of goals in his career, had a great year for New Jersey last year. And now he's what, 24, 25 games into the year. And he's still searching for his first goal. So he was, you know, supposed to be one of these newcomers who's going to come in and, and make a big difference. And, and maybe we give him more, time you know it's, it's still a long season but there's a lot of question marks about the depth and uh you know i mentioned it already but number two center might be at the top of that list for me yeah well, i mean the, the ryan johansson thing is interesting because they did trade for him to try to fill that role of, of you know again they haven't filled it since nazim Kadri left after they won the cup it seems like but second center on this team is very i mean it's important on every team but you know what i mean like 
you've got that top line power and they've got to have someone in that second line spot that can create chances for this team. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and someone who just, I think maybe plays with a little bit more speed than Joe Hansen. That's maybe my biggest knock on just watching him play. He doesn't really fit the mold of the rest of this avalanche forward groups where speed is the number one thing like that. You have to be fast to play in the system. And I think in the past couple of games, I'm just looking at Johansson's ice time. I mean, 10 minutes uh, against the lightning. Uh, let's see. It was 11 minutes against the ducks the other night. So, you know, those that's not the sort of clip that you expect a guy uh, to be playing at who's supposed to have this big of a role on the team. And, you know, I like Johansson personally. I, I went out to Nashville and wrote a nice story about his connection out there how he's still basically spearheading a, a charity effort to to feed hungry children through the predators uh franchise so you know I, I think as a locker room fit there's there's no doubt the abs like this guy but we'll see what happens as the season progresses if if he truly gets demoted to that bottom six and you know i think the team likes how ross colton is playing he creates a lot of chances he plays with a lot of emotion um, but Johansson just doesn't really feel like it right now. And maybe the abs go out and, and look for somebody, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not the, I don't think it's crazy to say that they wouldn't go out and, and execute a trade, uh, to find a, a guy who fits that mold. I, I don't really have a ton of names off the top of my head. We'll see how the next couple months go on and, and, and which guys names get floated as, as possibilities. But, um, you know, the abs have got to look into doing something, you know, not to rehash more Nazem Kadri stuff, but I just feel like. You know, we all know that the Az were not going to pay him. They were not going to pay him what he got in Calgary. But man, I think it's so crazy to think that that loss still hurts them two years later. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the Avs are so spoiled, it feels like, right? I mean, because they're still a contender. They're still going to make the playoffs. Oh. But that roster they had, you know, with a healthy Landeskog, I mean, they were just juggernauts looking back. And if they could have kept that core together, to your point, if Kadri's uh, you know, sticks around. Maybe he takes a more team friendly deal. If Landeskog doesn't have to have this knee surgery and, and now we're uncertain if he's ever going to play again, uh, just how much better this team would be, because those are the kind of holes you can try to fix in, in free agency and trades. And, you know, I like Miles Wood. I, th I think he's been one of the most consistent players among the, the newcomers plays with just this energy kind of bowling ball guy who just you know just dominates puck battles and, and is physical in a way that other abs forwards aren't and he's creating and, and scoring on chances um you like the way that he's played but beyond that uh you know the abs have a lot of things to figure out and you know Kadri he's a little bit on the older side but you know seeing his production in Calgary and and the role that he's playing he's, he's clearly a top six forward in this league still and the NHL is of course hard cap and it just shows how good of a job Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick have done. Yeah. yeah. And it is, it is going up. I think it's 87 million next year. That number was just released. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's nowhere close to what some of these other leagues are, are dealing with in terms of cash, but the NHL is, is growing for what it's worth. Uh, sorry. I got a little sidetracked there, but let's, let's keep talking about this sure. team. Um, <laughs> as we do. <laughs> yeah. As we do. All right. So, you know, and also the abs are missing some guys right now, you know, our Terry Lekkinen is still out. I don't know if you have an update on him at all, but Val Nechuskin has missed, the last two games and possibly yeah. the upcoming one too with some sort of illness. Right. Yeah. And so it's not a real long-term issue with Val. And I, I do think it's important we bring him up though, just because the team is so much better when he's playing well. And if you look at the streak that they had of wins, you know, before those losses, to your point, I think it was seven of eight. Nachushkin was one of the team's best players, the way that he was able to, to get pucks to, to, to deflect off of him and his skate uh, with Kale McCarr at the point, usually rifling those in there. 
huge part of their success. They need Val to get going. They need him to be healthy. And with Lekkonen as well, I, I asked Jared Bednar recently, should we expect him back before the end of the year? Or are we looking at next year with him? And he still was like, hey, I don't have enough information. I wouldn't want to guess at that. Uh, but to me, that kind of answers my question. You know, if, if you're unable to say if he's going to be back in the next four weeks, then I'm going to guess that he's probably not going to be back in that span. And and they just need him because it kind of settles the, the lines beneath him, right? I mean, Logan O'Connor has been playing with the top group the past couple games. And, and good on LOC. He's, he's been one of the most consistent guys. I wrote in my insider about how he sets the standard for incoming players just with the way he plays without maybe the the – out of this world gifts and skills like he dominates all the stuff he controls his speed his work ethic um and it's being rewarded right now but with a healthy arturi lekin and you don't have to do that and you can allow o'connor to help some of those depth lines create more scoring chances with the abs obviously need a lot of them so you know we can't discount some of that stuff as well uh but we did see kale mccarr come back uh, for the first time after a few games being gone with a lower body injury uh so that was a positive sign so you know, as we're talking here and talking about them losing four or five, they are still first place in the Central Division. Right, exactly. The sky <laughs> is falling in the moment, but the abs are they're still settled in, as the leaders in the Central. Right? It, it's just funny how we look. We have such high expectations of the abs. And even, you know, I was talking with our colleague Vinny yesterday on the Nuggets podcast, and, you know, they're 14 and eight, which they were exactly last year as well when they went on to win the title. And it's like, mm-hmm. we, the, the, we just expect a lot from these teams. And it's right. hard to not. Right, right. And that's a good thing, having high expectations, right? I mean, it's not like the Broncos are, are having the same conversation right now in their fan base. And, and you know, you I, I guess you cherish the wins more when you don't have them as often. But at the same token, you know, you, you want to be in this position to where, you know, you are critical of a team, even when they are winning and, and, and doing well, because that's what it takes to, to win it all, clearly. So, you know, like I said, the Azure's are still winning the Central, but uh... – the Arizona Coyotes are making a run. They beat the Avs yeah. time last week or this week. I can't remember when the date was. Five winners of five of their last six, kind of climbing up. You know, they've always been the, the you know, the team at the bottom that everyone beats up on. But I mean, they're they're playing in their college arena or whatever they're playing in, and but they're but they're soaring up the the standings a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's good for the Central, right, to have a little bit of parity, to have some new teams that are challenging. And, um, yeah, give them credit for doing it in that arena because with the abs coming back, talking with some of the players, um, you know, especially Jack Johnson, not impressed with what those guys have to deal with in Arizona, being that, hey, this is a NHL franchise. They're, you know, they should be able to put, you know, 10,000, 15,000 people in a building every night. And they could only hold, you know, four or five in, in that little building. So to be able to win that they are the way they are, uh, you know, with the roster they have, they're kind of void of of true stars. But they've had a, a few new guys come into the fold and, and and some some folks that you wouldn't expect scoring goals stepping up. So, yeah, it's it's, it's good to see the, the the Coyotes playing well. And also there's buzz of a, a new arena. I, I know that this has been a conversation with them for a while, but I do expect there to be a, more of a permanent residence in Arizona because clearly the league is is committed to playing there. I mean, after all the failures uh, to get one built, the fact that they're still trying um, shows you that they want to be in that market and they see a value in it. Yeah. You know, what is it about that market? I mean, I guess, you know, no one would have ever thought Arizona State would have an NCAA Division One hockey team, but, but they do. And, yeah. and there must be something they like about that market. Yeah, I just think there's so many people moving to Arizona. Yeah. They just look at the population, right? Um, but it's just tough because it's you have to convince the taxpayers 
to be bought in to whether or not they're, you know, heavily involved in funding the arena or they have to sign off on on what the city is trying to do to raise those funds. It takes a lot of buy in. I mean, can you imagine if the the same thing was happening here in, in Colorado, if something at Ball Arena was messed up and and the teams couldn't get a deal done? I mean, it'd be it'd be preposterous. But I think when you're in more of a I don't know, we'll call it a retirement state like Arizona, there's there's maybe a few diehard fans uh, more folks that are uh, snowbirds and just uh, you know happy to be in the sunshine, I guess. So they're playing at ASU's arena, right? So they're playing right. at Tempe. Yeah, m- m- uh, yeah, Mullet Arena, I believe it's called, oh, and it's right. a new facility. <laughs> and I'm sure the ice is nice, and you know, but the problem is, I don't even think that they sell that building out right now, and and that's a shame when you can only have you know four thousand some people. I think the Arizona State students get discounts on tickets, and they have like a a student section that's that's pretty lively for games. Um, I didn't go out there for, for their last road trip, but I would like to check it out at some point just for the novelty of it, you know, to see Nathan McKinnon, uh, you know, when he's uh, maybe half the distance that he usually is from me yeah. when I'm sitting in that press box. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to bring up a, a former Av doing some good stuff, and it, it's in Detroit, which is funny, but uh, JT Comfort, six goals yeah. with the Red Wings. Yeah, good for him. And he is hurt right now. He's a little bit in and out of the lineup. They just added Patrick Kane. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of buzz around Detroit right now and, and what they're trying to do. And I think JT Comfer has been a, a bit of a positive surprise uh, around the league just for how productive he's been to this point. And, you know, it's that's no knock on JT. He had a breakout year last season with the Avs when they were so injured and, and he was so relied upon. But the price that the Red Wings paid, I think a lot of uh, people in the Avalanche media at least rolled their eyes a little bit thinking, wham, they uh, they overpaid uh, to some degree. But right now he's living up to that contract and he's playing like a second line center, uh, which the Avs desperately need. So I don't think there's any like revisionist history where we say, hey, the Avs should have kept JT Comfer. It was it was time for him to to prove himself on a new team with a big contract the abs weren't going to give him but it's a sign that hey the the abs are doing well to develop players too right because jt confer obviously had more in his game when he got to detroit and and we're seeing it now and um you know i i do expect him to probably play on a line with patrick kane uh when when uh, jt is back healthy again and and what a thrill for him to be playing with a with a true vet leader and and a guy who thinks that detroit has a lot of potential so i always like jt uh he wasn't maybe the most talkative guy in the room, but gave very direct, honest answers. And uh, yeah, when you're sort of looking at, hey, uh, how are these former abs doing? He's one that jumps off the list right now. Detroit's a lot better than I think people thought. Yeah, for sure. It's it's surprising. And and part of it is JT Comfer and, and it's kind of the culture change that's been happening there for a while now. And they do have a shiny new arena. Speaking of arenas, I know that uh, Little Caesars is regarded as, as one of the best in uh, in the country. And, and that's pretty funny for a, a discount pizza chain uh, yeah. as the sponsor, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm being Little Caesars. That, that's, that's good stuff. All right. So uh, you mentioned Kale McCarr returning from his injury. Uh, you have a story coming up on him. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm going to be writing on today. I just thought, you know, and talking post game, uh, you know, Kale has sort of become this uh, Landeskog 2.0, a guy who's always available and and doesn't rush out of the room. There's so many guys that just, you know, get as fast out of there as they can after losses. And I understand, but hey, you need someone who's going to speak for the group. And oh, without Landeskog, Kale's been that guy. And so that's what I'm going to write about, how how he reacted after that loss. Uh, Kale really wore it in a way that I didn't expect in terms of him uh, dissecting his own play. To me, it looks like he's still a little bit injured. He won't cop to that. It's no surprise. It's kind of a you know culture within the NHL. Guys aren't going to say that they're hurt, even if they are. 
but we'll see, you know, he took a few games off with a lower body injury. Uh, he spoke about how playing, uh, and on the road trip, uh, you know, I think they went out, uh, to the West coast or no, they were out. Yeah. The West coast in California. Uh, there was some soft ice kale said, and he thinks he might've screwed something up out there. So, uh, you know, be sure to check out the Denver Gazette. I'll have that story online later today. Um, you know, just being a guy who, who speaks for the group and, and is trying to stay healthy. I mean, Kale is, you know, before this, you know, injury was playing like one of the best players in the league. Forget about defensemen. I mean, regardless of position, um, you know, he was producing points and and being part of the avalanche attack uh, in a way that no other player has that role for their team. And we've seen it from Kale. Uh, we've seen the skills skating and, and that edge work that makes him so special. Uh, but let's see if he can keep it up after this injury, because it didn't really look like he was the same guy last night. Well, he's only two points behind McKinnon for the lead on the team. I mean, he – Right. And, you know, we mentioned how great McKinnon's been lately, but McCarr may be more than just the MVP of the Avs. He could be an MVP candidate for the whole league. Yeah, it's true. I, th- I think it's been like 20 years since a defenseman was, was last question. given that that honor. I, I wrote about that somewhat recently. I'll have to, to pull that up. But, yeah, I mean, the way that Kale's playing, and I don't know, how do you define MVP – um, I don't know. I, I just think you look at what he brings to this squad. It's it's hard to make a case that there's someone else who's who's doing more for their team uh, when Kale is the guy. Did, were you able to find that stat? I just looked it up. It is Chris Pronger in the year 2000. Ah, Pronger, right with the Blues, right? Yeah. Yes. So I mean, you're you're talking about 23 some years, and and that makes sense, right? Of MVP in all sports has kind of become that's, this offensive award, right? That's the last with, time even a defenseman was nominated. Too. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. So he, wow, he must've been really good that year, but yeah, I mean, whether it's the Heisman trophy, the NFL MVP, you're always giving it to a quarterback, the guy who's doing everything for their group, but that's kind of what Kale McCarr is, right? Like he's the quarterback of the avalanche. I mean, you might argue that Nathan McKinnon's that guy, but he's almost more of a skill player in the way that he just stands out with his speed and explosive moments as to where McCarr has to kind of orchestrate things on the back end in a lot of ways. So, you know, I, I do feel like if, if he stays healthy and gets back on track, there's no reason why we can't, you know, at least entertain this idea because to your point, I mean, if that's the last time a guy was even nominated, I don't know. I just think there's been way too many impact defensemen over the past two decades to say that they don't belong in that conversation. Yeah. And you know, I mean, McCarr's got to add something else to his, uh, his trophy case. I mean, he's already <laughs> right. Yeah. Else, gosh, right? <laughs> man. I don't know. Is his house uh, back home in Calgary is probably full at this point. I don't know where his parents have any more room to, to put stuff. He just keeps winning things. Yeah. Well, no, you met, he, he didn't win the title in college. I think they lost on the frozen four. Didn't they? Then they did. They actually like did the next lose. day. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He came into the playoff run. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that was a fun time. time, but you're all right. Yeah. He didn't win that one. It's too bad. He doesn't have more elig- eligibility to go back and, and try it again. <laughs> we, we're lucky. I mean, there's at least what, two, three generational talents on this Avs team that we get to watch. Yeah, it's true. And, and Makar is, is tops of them all, man. I just think when you look at the way he plays um, it's, it's, you know, not, there's nothing else really like it. And, and, the fact that the Avs were able to get him at four overall, I mean, that's that's a steal in the grand scheme of things. All right, Kyle, thanks for coming on and doing this. Uh, make sure we you subscribe to this podcast on Apple and on Spotify. Make sure you go to denvergazette.com to see Kyle's story on Kyle McCarr coming up later today and all his coverage of the Avs, as well as all of our coverage of all the other teams in the area. And Kyle, we will talk to you soon. Absolutely.
Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.